Welcome to our Lead to Succeed podcast, where we share leadership and business growth insights, both from our own experiences and that of our guests. We're the hosts. I'm Rebecca Jenkins, founder of Argen, helping companies to grow by finding, gaining and growing the best clients. And I'm Callum, sharing my perspectives from both being an entrepreneur and working in a variety of different companies. Whether you lead a team or a business, you'll find practical tips, inspirational insights and ideas as we discuss a wide range of leadership topics. So with that, here's today's episode. Welcome back everyone to the Lead to Succeed podcast. And I am today joined with Richard Newman. Um, We are in for some exciting stories in in this episode. Now, Richard has his own business. He's the founder of Body Talk, but you can contact him at ukbodytalk.com. And he is an expert in communication and presentation and storytelling. We know this is really important for anybody that's leading or running a business or leading a team. So he's the founder and CEO. Now, you might also know him as the author of You Were Born to Speak. Now, this year, I committed to reading a book a month, and I now have to adjust my book list to make sure that I have this one to read uh, for next month. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, 22 years growing his business. And one of the interesting things I found out about Richard on his website is that they helped a client win 1.2 million in new business by improving their communication. So I'm sure we're going to get lots of practical tips and ideas. Very, very big welcome to you, Richard. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, Rebecca. Great to be on the show with you. So as always, the first question we like to ask is, what does great leadership mean to you, Richard? Great. Well, there's a few things that come to mind for me. And because my whole focus in my career has been on communication, uh, it really starts from that place. And this is where we tend to start working with leaders in organizations all over the world, uh, because people go from that space of having experience in their career. Uh, They meet maybe experts in a certain area. They get into management level, then up to leadership level. And then they come to us and say, I really need additional communication skills to be able to do this job uh, because now I'm an ambassador of the company. I need to be going out there and meeting uh, clients that are hugely important. I need to be inspiring my team. I've got to speak at the company conference. I've got to be on podcasts and on media interviews. I've got to get good at communication skills. And so one of the most important things that I think a leader can do is to really understand how to communicate their vision. And so we've worked with so many leaders who may have a great idea. They've got brilliant knowledge and expertise. They've got wisdom in what they do. But it's a different question altogether to figure out, you know, do people understand? Do people even care about it? Do they, when, when these leaders speak, are people able to listen to it, understand it, act on it, put it all into action or not? And so when it comes to creating a vision uh, as a leader, I believe very much that it's not about having a memo that gets sent out. It's not about engraving the company's vision in marble in the company's lobby, as some companies do. Instead, it's about taking that power of storytelling, having a message that has a compelling purpose behind it, where people get drawn in and they think, 
I believe in this person. I believe in what they're saying about where the company is or where our team is right now. I believe in this better future that they are describing to me. And I understand exactly what my role is to get from where I am to where we need to be. I feel like I am part of something uh, that means something. Uh, and so when it, when it comes into the sort of day-to-day -day of putting that into practice, we've worked with people who maybe uh, needed to lead on a huge pitch or lead uh, an initiative for, for change within an organization. And to come back to something you mentioned there, uh, which is you mentioned that we helped a company win a huge amount of money. Uh, most people, when they, when they read that, they say it's uh, 1.2 million. It was in fact 1.2 billion pounds. Uh, we helped a company win in the space of, of a year. And I had to double check that that was accurate too, because it was so big. But essentially what we did, we took these leaders of a large construction company who are in charge of going out and winning big government contracts. And they used to win about one in four. Uh, was their average hit rate. And they said to us, uh, you know, could you come and work with us so that we can lead these pitches and hopefully maybe win one in three? That would be a great hit rate for us. And we taught them the power of storytelling so that they could take the message of who they are, what they believe in, how they do it, and stand out over every other organization. And in the space of that year, using storytelling, they won 100% of their pitches, giving that that extra 1.2 billion uh, in the space of a year. So I think communicating your vision, having the power of storytelling at your fingertips is critical uh, day after day. The second thing that comes to mind for qualities for a good leader is the ability to empower your people. Uh, and this for me also comes back to storytelling. So if you think about what, uh, what people tend to do, if they get to that point of being a leader in a company, let's say they're in, in an engineering company, they may have gotten there because they are a brilliant engineer. And when there's time for promotion, people think, well, let's go for the person who's the best. They become a manager, then they become a, a leader. And when a challenge comes up, it's very tempting. If you are a subject matter expert to think, okay, I'm gonna dive into this problem and I will fix it. And the challenge with that is that uh, then you're disempowering the team that you now lead because they feel like, okay, we can't do this unless Jim over here pops in and fixes the situation. And so you may be the subject matter expert, but you need to stop taking over. And instead of trying to be the hero all the time, aiming to be the mentor for everybody else. And so that allows you to have a heroic team where they feel empowered to go out and do what they need to be doing. And they know they have a mentor or a support in their leader who believes in them and gives them that opportunity to go and do it and sometimes to get it wrong and to, uh, and to learn from that process. And when it comes to that, I, I was speaking to somebody recently about this and he had a great phrase around it. He said, don't abdicate when you delegate. So if you're delegating work to people, uh, you don't want to be just uh, passing it over and never looking at it again. Instead, you know, people actually need a leader that they know is going to check in and support them and create accountability for them because that's when they become their best and, and they do their best work. Uh, so that's the second piece that stands out. So communicating your vision through the power of storytelling, empowering people by knowing who you are in the story. You're not the hero of the story. You're the mentor there for the story. Uh, and as a piece that hopefully is poignant for people right now, it, I've been leading a company uh, through the pandemic, through the global shutdown that, that we've had, the lockdowns that we've been through. And this is the company where before the pandemic, 
all of our business was done face to face. Every single thing required us being with people in a room. And 70% of our work involved getting on an airplane. And all of that suddenly was made illegal. And so, you know, my team turned to me, my clients, suppliers were turning to me as if to say, well, what are we going to do? And how soon are we all going to lose our jobs? Uh, and so, you know, I, I discovered very quickly and I felt it at my core that my job as a leader was to be a rock in the storm. When everybody else may be losing their head around a the situation, they're going to turn to you and you've got to be able to be that rock for them. Uh, and so I very much took it as an opportunity to look after my team. And, uh, you know, I have to say with great respect, everybody on our leadership team uh, volunteered to take a pay cut to say, whatever needs to be done to serve our people during this time, we're going to do that. And uh, people may be familiar with the book uh, from Simon Sinek, which is uh, Leaders Eat Last, which is what they do in the military. You know, the, the, uh, the leaders in the military don't eat first. They let everybody else eat first. And so that's certainly the, uh, the way that we approach this. And at February 1st, 2020, I could see that the challenges that were about to come uh, in our direction. And I decided I'm not going to earn a single penny until I know that everybody in our company is taken care of and, and didn't earn anything until uh, for the rest of 2020, until it was 2021. Uh, and so I think being a rock in the storm, seeing a greater future for everybody and serving them as much as you can uh, is what a great leader should be doing. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That's so, um, so important and so impressive. I have the good fortune of being a non-exec director of a, a, a reasonably sized um, business. And although we had great profitability during lockdown, the chief exec took a significant pay reduction. Mm. And this is so important, isn't it? In a world where we're seeing so much distrust that demonstrates trust and values. We're going to be talking about the science of storytelling. So I am very excited and interested to, to, to hear about this. So we've talked about the need for it for leaders who are going to be presenting or pitching, whatever they might be doing. What is the essence of storytelling? What's the science behind storytelling that makes this so important to business leaders? Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, at this point, uh, storytelling has been really a buzz term in business for about the last, certainly the last 10 years, I think I would say, definitely the last five. And uh, I, I've come to notice that at this stage, most people have heard some theories about what storytelling is. And we are really keen to put the science behind it to make it work. Uh, and so if you've heard about storytelling, then you may know that, you know, the original research that most people quote in this subject comes from the book published in 1949 by Joseph Campbell, which is The Hero with a Thousand Faces, and where he studied storytelling from different civilizations from around the world, looking at books, legends, uh, he was looking at movies, uh, at uh, religions, myths, anything that he could find, and particularly looking at civilizations that had never contacted each other to see, is there a commonality in how human beings tell stories? And from that, he found that there was this common journey, and it was the 17-stage journey of a story. And that's all very well. But if you're a leader in a team and you're trying to write an email, you can't really go through 17 stages of the denial of the quest and the meeting the mentor and going into the innermost cave. It doesn't really make any sense. Uh, and then Christopher Vogler in the 1980s developed a 12-step version of that, uh, which was then a memo that he sent out throughout Hollywood. 
And uh, many people took note of that. He ended up working on The Lion King, which went on to win lots of Oscars and so on. Uh, and so still though, it's 12 stages, it's too, too much. So when we looked at it, we wanted to find out how do we really use storytelling in business in a way that's going to make sense for emails, phone calls, uh, business presentations, conversations, one-to-ones that you might need to have with members of your team. And so we pulled it down to, uh, firstly, looking at the key areas of the brain that need to be engaged for a business story to be effective. And the three major areas in simplistic terms are the survival mind, the emotional mind, and the logical mind. And if you think about most of the meetings that people go in day after day, month after month, most of them are just engaging the logical mind. There is data and facts and bullet points, and people leave there with death by PowerPoint, or which we've now called with virtual meetings, we call it screen fatigue. And it's not really screen fatigue at all, because people can be on their screen all day at work and say, oh, I've got screen fatigue. They then shut their laptop down and go and watch TV for the next three hours. So it's not really screen fatigue. They're just deadly bored because it's just the logical mind. And, and then they go and turn on the TV and that thoroughly engages them because those stories are engaging survival, emotional and logical uh, mind and doing so in that order. And so when we teach people the science of this, we say you've got to connect with people on that emotional level first before you ever get to the logic. Because if people don't care about why your message is important to them, how that deals with something they, can, they care about right now, how it impacts their future, it's not going to mean anything to them. And so we break this down for them saying, you know, with, with the science of storytelling, firstly, you want to deal with pain and pleasure. Talk to people about their current concerns, their current pain points, challenges, concerns, and issues, and do so in a way where it's not you talking about what you care about, what you need, but talking about them, put them in the story and say, whether it's a client or, or a team member, talk about their challenges. So they see themselves as the hero in this story. And then you discuss pleasure. So pain to pleasure engages the mind and the pleasure being discussing where you would love to see them, your clients or your team members, where you'd love to see them by the end of this year, in five years, in 10 years, painting that brilliant future. And if you can do that, if you can set up pain and pleasure in a way that is genuine, that really ties into what people care about, then the amygdala in the mind fires off uh, and it's going to send a release of dopamine in the brain where the dopamine is saying, okay, remember this, this is really important. And at that point, you can share your spreadsheets as part of the story, and people are much more likely to remember them. So we go into this for great, in great detail for people to set this up and, and use it day after day for a five-minute conversation or for a two-hour uh, meeting. And once you're, once you're understanding the science of how the story can engage the mind, then you can take anything really, no matter how dry it might seem, and, and engage people with that storytelling communication. Where does survival sit in with that, Richard? You said emotion, logic. What about survival? Oh, yes. So the survival point, if you think back to uh, the days of saber-toothed tigers, uh, so you know there were human beings out there trying to survive with different survival instincts. And some people were really good around uh, pain and pleasure. So they look at a saber-toothed tiger or something like that coming towards them and think, well, this looks like pain. This looks like it's going to uh, mean that I'm going to die. It's, it's against my survival. And so they'd want to avoid the pain and gain the pleasure of safety and run in the other direction. And, you know, in, again, in simple terms, there were other people around uh, who didn't have those same instincts 
and they just look at the saber-toothed tiger and think, he looks fun, let me just give him a hug. And those are the ones who got eaten. So we are essentially evolved from people who are the best at avoiding pain and gaining pleasure. And so if you can engage both of those when you talk to people, then they see this is important for my survival. The other point that you can do is to talk to people about pain points that they're dealing with now, and then you can talk about a negative possible future where you say, look, this is where we are now, but if nothing changes, this is where we could be. And that seems uh, detrimental to their survival within the company, if you like, or nobody wants to be heading towards greater pain in the future. And so it compels them to listen to how they could move into a better future following what you have to say. Okay, well, that's well explained. Thank you. What practical tips would you now, somebody's listening to this podcast, they lead a team and they like what you're saying. What practical tips would you suggest that they might do from listening to this podcast to start bringing story into how they might have a conversation or lead a team? So what, what practical things could they do? Uh, so if you're going to be using this with your team, the, the most important thing is to understand you need to know each member of the team and uh, what their challenges are and what their goals are. Because if you try and just go in and create the story and hope that it's going to work, it won't. So it's really important to get to know on an individual level, certainly your direct reports, uh, what is it that they care about most? And we talk about this in terms of MTV, which is money, time, and personal human values. So everybody in every business in the world is going to care about money and time or resources, targets that they've got, deadlines, financial resources on a project. But every person has different values. So people may value their personal reputation, their work-life balance, their, their credibility, all of these different things. So you've got to get to know what they are for the people around you so that you can then start to explain what you care about, your mission, your, uh, your initiatives, projects that you're working on in a way that resonates with their individual values, not just the company's values or the team's values, but individual values. And that will uh, teach you how to then build out uh, your story. So I'd always say, start with questions. And in fact, the way that we approach uh, pitching for new clients is that, you know, we know the framework of storytelling, we could go and tell a story, that's great. But we want to know their story. So instead of going in with a pre prepared story and a bunch of slides and a brochure, we go in with a whole bunch of questions. And those questions are guiding us through that hero's journey, a sense of what are the challenges right now? What is the greater future? What does the journey look like from here to there based on how they see the world? And what would be a sensible first step for us to take on that journey together? And so by asking lots of questions, uh, I think it's a great way for leaders to start because they don't have to think, oh, I've got to come up with an amazing story and hope that people love it. Actually, people really care about what is meaningful to them. And so if you ask them meaningful questions, then you'll start to understand what is their story. And that's what's going to help you uh, influence the people around you better. Well, I, I, I heard an amazing story today, and I think this might resonate with you as well, that, uh, you know, Timpson's the, um, the shoe company and uh, mm. they cut keys as well. They yeah. have a policy where every manager has to be able, or every leader has to be able to ask, number of questions of each of their employees such as when is their birthday what do they like to eat what are their hobbies what are their names of their children and they're expected mm. to get 80 percent right so it really plays to your point about knowing your team in detail 
yeah. so that you can put yourself in their shoes mm. and help them develop their story and see where they could go for the future. So I, yes. I guess that's really what you're saying, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, I really see leadership as being a privilege. It's, it's, not, a, uh, it's not a title. It's not an, an egoic position. It should always be a matter of, I am here to serve these humans in the best way that I can and help them become greater. And I can only do that if I know them. So I think gone are the days where, you know, maybe decades ago, people could say, this is what the company's going to do. We're going to pay you good money. So just knuckle down and, and get on with it. Uh, people want to feel that the leaders that they're working for actually care about them as a human being. Uh, and and you need to do that genuinely and you, you need to get serious about that uh, uh, rather than just thinking, well, you know, I've got numbers to hit and you have to help me hit them. Uh, getting to know those people and understanding who they are and what's important to them is going to make you the best leader for today. And do you think that that's shifted, particularly during the last two years where we've been working remotely? Do you think that's had a big impact on yeah. developing this yeah. style of leadership? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've, they've had this, uh, they call it in, um, in America, the mass resignation, where mm -hmm. there's been so many people, I'm sure you've seen this, I think everybody I've spoken to has seen this, where in the last couple of years, there's been far more people uh, move house, leave their job, uh, leave a relationship, rethink who they want to be as a person, because we've had more time away from each other, more time away from our jobs or our offices to really reflect on what matters to us in life and for a lot of people they got to spend more time with their close family and you know for me I used to take 50 flights a year and be in a hotel three days a week and I feel very fortunate I was able to pivot my business and work from home and see my children and read them a bedtime story every night and so you know I certainly reflected on what's important for me right now but people people are craving they're craving for a couple of things they're craving for connection because we were starved of, of connection outside of our uh, sort of intimate family unit for so long. And they're, they're starving for a sense of purpose, of doing something that actually feels like it matters uh, with the time that we've had to reflect. So, you know, coming back to, to business storytelling, uh, you've got to give people that sense of a reason to do what they're doing. Not just this will make the numbers go in the right direction. You'll get your bonus at the end of the year. But, but let them know that actually what we're doing here is going to tilt the world in a more positive direction. In our own little corner of the world, we're going to do something that is going to uh, shape this industry or raise the bar in this technology or is going to somehow make uh, individuals' lives better based on what we did uh, here today. Uh, and I love the story. I'm going to get this slightly wrong because my, my memory is slightly blurred on how this worked. But I, I believe that this is something that has been used at Disney and also in the, uh, in the NASA space program, where each person was told, look, at, at Disney, your job, everybody's job is to put a smile on every child's face. And so if you go to, to Disney, you find that, you know, people who are there sweeping the streets, they're not just there sweeping the streets. They are there trying to make children giggle. And of course, they pick up the sweet wrappers. Uh, and uh, I forget the quote on this one. So people listening will know it better than I do, maybe. Uh, but uh, there was a president who went up to speak to a caretaker who was working, you know, in the um, uh, when they're trying to put men on the moon and saying, oh, hey, what, what's your job? And he said, I'm putting a man on the moon. 
he didn't say I'm here to, uh, to sweep up after everybody goes home. I'm putting a man on the moon. And so, you know, you may not be doing that within your business, but in some small way, if you can share with people why what you're doing actually matters, that matters to people now more than I think it ever has done. And how wonderful that you've been able to pivot your business and really spend time on things that are incredibly important to you. A different mm. type of story, perhaps, to your children. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've, I've had to brush up on my own storytelling skills to, uh, to, to read them Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, you've grown your own business and we'd love to hear some of the challenges you faced in doing that and how you've overcome them. Yeah, so uh, there's been, I mean, you know, I've shared already the challenge that we had of trying to pivot a business that was 100% first yes. face-to-face into Absolutely. 100% uh, virtual uh, and that for us when the when the pandemic came I really didn't know what was going to happen I just knew that I was definitely going to look after our team and so when we when we heard this lockdown was about to happen we uh, a couple of us on the team got together and we filmed a hundred training videos uh, we did that in the space of a couple of days and we were able to then get them up on uh, on a, uh, a an online training platform, something we'd never even come across uh, before. And within the space of three weeks, start to finish, we were then training hundreds of people through our new platform uh, and learning how, how to do that piece. Um, but you know, another piece that, that we've had to, uh, to deal with, which really made me reflect on the kind of person I want to be and the kind of leader I want to be, is that we've been through a situation, uh, a legal case, where we had uh, a few people, and I have to be sensitive around the details on this, but, but a few people who allegedly uh, hacked into our database, were downloading our client details, our pricing, our proposal documents, and then approaching all of those clients and undercutting us. And uh, this happening during the pandemic, when we were already having other challenges going on. And I had to really think, well, how do I want, what sort of person do I want to be in this situation? Uh, you know, do I want to be uh, bitter about it? Do I want to be vengeful about it? Do I want to ignore it? Or do I want to deal with this? And initially, I thought, I'm just, I'm just going to focus on building up our business. This feels like a really painful thing to deal on, deal with and dwell on. And eventually, it was another leader who came to me and said, Richard, you need to lean into this situation and look at the reality of what's happening and, and let people know that this sort of thing is not okay because that's what leaders do. And so the way that I, uh, I approached it in my mind was to use a mirror. And uh, what I mean by that is that uh, I, I knew the people who were doing this and I decided to shine a mirror towards them to say, take a look in the mirror. Is this the kind of person that you really want to be? Is, is this, you know, when you're a child, is this the kind of person that you want to grow up to be? I believe you're a better person than you are currently displaying. Is this who you want to be? Is this your legacy? Uh, and so by doing so, it allowed me to go into a position where I felt I had, uh, you know, lifted my mindset around that situation, that I was really doing this to aim to lift them as well as they approached it. And, you know, I think uh, two out of the four people involved in that uh, responded by thinking, actually, you're right, I don't want to be that kind of person. Uh, and, you know, I was pleased that we did that. But if we put that into context of what's happening uh, right now, so, so, you know, we're recording this just shortly after the uh, Will Smith, Chris Rock incident that happened at the Oscars. And so reflecting on that kind of situation, 
uh, I think it was you know, hugely out of character that Will Smith did this. It's not something we've ever seen him do in, in similar ways throughout his uh, decades of career. But if you sort of think about that sort of situation where he, he felt inflamed by someone making a disrespectful remark about his wife. Uh, so to put ourselves in his shoes for a moment, what he could have done in that situation was maybe to shine a mirror back onto Chris Rock. And perhaps he could have said, look, Chris, I know that you're a really good person. I know you don't think it's funny to make fun of somebody's disease who's sitting right here. I know that you don't mean to do that. And by doing so, it would have made that person, uh, Chris, in that situation, reflect on it and think, yeah, actually, is that the kind of comedian I really want to be? Uh, so what it does is it you're still seeing the good in the other person and giving them an opportunity to move forwards positively. Whereas sometimes I think uh, as leaders, as position, having position of power, sometimes we can aim to shame somebody else for negative behavior. We can say, look, your numbers just aren't good enough. So you're out. I don't believe in you any, anymore. But I think that the privilege of leadership is to see the greatness in somebody else. Uh, and I think that's, that's really the greatest thing that we can do for other humans is to see greatness, even if they're not representing it, right now and saying, I see greater behavior in you. I believe in greater behavior in you. And then you can watch them shine. And, you know, that's certainly the kind of leader that I would want to have around me. Well, on that note, I think there is always good in all of us, isn't it? Sometimes it just needs to be brought out a mm. little bit more or yeah. encouraged a bit more. But generally everybody comes to work with really good intentions. They, we all want to be good people, mostly. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you do wonder when we know what some of the bigger things that are happening around the world but hey you know generally people want to do a good job and be and be good people and it's something that you touched on earlier on about making having people to really feel that they're valued and they're working towards a bigger cause a good cause and they're making a good contribution it astounded me when we had Tom Peters on our podcast and from his research he's saying the majority of people just don't enjoy their work. They just don't, they don't love what they do. And mm. how sad is that? Not to be in a role where you spend so much time not really loving it. Mm. You're not bringing out your fullest potential when you're settling for something that you just don't enjoy. Yeah, I think that that's true. And I've heard it for uh, for many years, uh, actually, I think there's been quite a lot of surveys, and I've never heard one of them that says the majority of people like their work. Uh, and so uh, something that I'd give maybe as a message to leaders and aspiring leaders is to say hard times are going to come. If you've got good times right now, that's great. There's going to be hard times ahead. No question. There's ups and downs in everybody's life, in everybody's business. Even if it's been brilliant for decades, there can still be those difficult moments. And uh, what, what I would suggest for people that I've found certainly very useful is that people may have heard of vision boards, which is where you put stuff up or pictures up of stuff that you'd like to have in your life. I also believe in having a mission board, a mission board, which is something that reminds you why you're doing what you're doing. Because a lot of that apathy about our, our working days or feeling stressed about those working days is losing sight of why we're doing it in the first place. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of uh, how I approach leadership, and I'm, I'm still a novice, I'm still learning every day. I don't think of myself as an expert, but the way that I've um, leaned into approaching it is as a father, which is a, a role that I can relate to. Well, I, I've got two children, but you don't necessarily need to have them to, to think of that parental figure. 
Uh, and so, uh, you know, when, when you're a parent, you get into situations where you have a couple of little humans who are throwing up everywhere, um, pooing everywhere, waking you up in the middle of the night and shaking you and screaming at you. Uh, and it's challenging. Uh, but of course, you always know why you're doing it, because you want to raise humans. This is something that you really care deeply about. Uh, and so when it comes into your, your working life, you also need to have that sense of why am I doing this? And so I've got a mission board that reminds me why I started what I'm doing, why I decided to, to commit to building this company. And so, you know, if you didn't build a company, you, you will still have made a decision about why you wanted to work at that organization. And so I encourage you to have uh, pictures up that show you how far you have come, the things that that you achieved that were meaningful along the way and anything that, that taps into the core principles you have as a human being about what you believe in doing, what you care about doing, and then find a way each day to put that stuff into action. Come back to these core principles that you believe in. Every time there's a decision to be made, there's a project to be worked on, find a way to do that from your core principles. Uh, and when you're doing that, you have a, a purpose-driven leader that other people will want to be around because they will want to have more of that purpose and that drive in, in their day-to-day -day work. I love that, Richard. Thank you very much for sharing that. And I guess at the end of the day, it's reflecting as well. On, did I work? Did I do things today in alignment to my mission and my, my vision? Is that mm. part of what you do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I tend to do this at the beginning of each day and at the end of each day. So, you know, I believe that it's important through the work that I do, whether I'm working with one client or a thousand clients in a day or dealing with, uh, you know, my team or suppliers is that I want to make sure that I am lifting them in some way such that they feel elevated by interacting uh, with me. And to do that, I need to make sure that I've lifted myself at the start of the day too. So I always make sure that I do something to get myself into a good state. And uh, yeah, I have a, a mission board uh, that I've got in my office at home, where I reflect on it, I remember why I'm here, why I'm doing what I do, why I care about what I'm doing. Uh, and then I, I like to reflect back on, uh, with every uh, event that I do as, as a trainer, I've always done this, where I, I leave an event and I think, okay, what went well here? How was I able to serve my mission? Um, what was I putting into practice? And what could I do better next time? And I'll do that at the end of a day, I'll do it at the end of a week. Uh, as well to think how have I put things into action today that that really tap into what I care about doing and so I think you know hopefully people are, are familiar with the idea of, of do, uh, thinking about gratitude at the beginning of a day or an end of a day to get out of stress and back into a state of feeling centered feeling uh, happy in the life that you live so it's the fastest way out of stress is just to get back into into gratitude so it's a great way just to reflect and also to learn and get ready for the next day that's such a good point to make i'm not sure we've really touched on this before in the podcast it's a practice that i use as well but it's just to be so grateful for the things in your life you know the people in your life the relationships that you have it's so uplifting and it can switch you can't you from kind of maybe feeling a bit today yeah. to being wow you know yeah. it's such a simple exercise to do and it doesn't take long to do either so i highly yeah, recommend I it and I think, you know, it, it can really ground us when it feels like uh, the, the, the world is ending and, and life is falling apart. Just to suddenly feel grateful, you know, there's, there's wars going on at the moment. And I just yeah. I wake up and feel grateful 
I'm in a country that is at a time of peace. Uh, I am grateful that I have the, the right to vote. I'm grateful that I have, uh, you know, nature near my house where I can go yeah. for a walk. I'm grateful that nobody in my immediate family is unwell today. Uh, and suddenly when you start to think about those things, you realize actually life's okay. There's a couple of things I need to go and deal with, but overall I'm happy for all the good things that I have, all the blessings that I've got. And there's always going to be an overwhelming number, no matter what situation somebody's in, they can be grateful. They're still above ground. They have people that care about them uh, and start to get grounded in, in what is really important. And I encourage people, if you can do it, to do it in nature, because we spend too much time in sort of man-made constructions, probably less time these days. We used to be in like glass and uh, steel buildings that really disconnected us from nature. But, it, but if you can get into woods, into nature, just go and have a, put your feet on the grass uh, if you can, if you've got a garden outside or somewhere where you can do that. And just remember that connection to simply being a human being alive today on the earth, and then step back into the challenges you've got with greater perspective. Well, is there anything you would like to just wrap up with or anything you'd like to share with the audience? It has been fantastic having you on our podcast and there's been so much learning, so much sharing of your knowledge. Thank you very much indeed for that, Richard. But any last notes that you would um, like to share with, with our listeners? Well, I think, you know, just as a, as a couple of final thoughts, uh, I think to, to mention what I said before, the greatest gift we can give as a leader is to see greatness in the people around us. Uh, and for, for them to help them fulfill that greatness as well. That's what makes us valuable and memorable to somebody. And, uh, and we have the opportunity as leaders to make decisions that impact many others. So to always aim to do something that will make the world better. Uh, so I'd encourage everybody to aim to do those things. Uh, if anybody wants to, to follow up after this podcast and get more resources, then if they go to ukbodytalk.com, we've got loads of uh, free videos on there, articles as well. Uh, we've got interviews with all sorts of e experts on communication, storytelling we've touched on today and other areas. Uh, they can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Newman uh, from Body Talk. And you can find our, uh, our Instagram page as well at UK Body Talk uh, to get uh, more sort of uh, daily inspiration. Thank you very much. A real pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And as always, if you enjoyed it, we welcome a review. And if you have any questions and like to get in touch with us, you can do that at the RJN, RJEN. .co.uk website.